This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish in the Anglican Church of North America in Houston, Texas. Find us online at holytrinityrec.org. Find us on Facebook as Holy Trinity Houston, and on Twitter and Instagram as Holy Trinity REC. Enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. He is the great king upon all the earth. This line in our psalm tonight speaks prophetically of the eternal kingship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On this day, we celebrate an event that is countercultural, goes against the world, the flesh, and the devil. In our fallen status, we like to think we can rule ourselves. We pride ourselves in slogans such as, I'm free to rule myself. I don't need others to tell me what to do. Or we think we're capable of choosing our leaders and treat our voting booths as more sacred than the worship sanctuary. We pride ourselves in a government that can potentially remove leaders in a short period of time. We take pride in never being settled, always changing out our leaders, always tinkering. In the end, when we compare it with our Savior Jesus Christ, our Lord and King, we are all incredibly unstable when it comes to ruling self. Yet in our pride, we do not want to admit it. We find ways to make Jesus less than our ascended king in favor of rule by me or a version I choose. Tonight on this ascension, let us meditate upon our Lord Jesus Christ as our eternal king over all. We'll use our lesson tonight in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 as a blueprint which points to our response to Christ as our ascended king in our practical living. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. First, in seeing and owning for ourselves that Jesus reigns as Lord and King is a point that we are commissioned as his subjects to bring his good news of happiness to the ends of the world. This starts with our example to the people closest to us and to the world around us. This is the example we set of doing what is necessary and required with Jesus Christ as our great and eternal King. This is to worship him and to bring the good news of the happiness of his salvation from sin and death to the world by calling the world to bow the knee with us to Christ through worship. Too often in our culture, there's a tendency to shun anything that remotely sounds as if Jesus is Lord and King. Instead, sometimes all that it is required is a quick little prayer asking him into our hearts to be seen as nothing more than a good luck charm to consult when we feel like it. We're called to bring good news of happiness to the world. A rationale that Jesus is nothing more than a good luck charm is not worth worshiping or spreading the news of his kingship. Rather, the good luck charm approach cringes at the idea 
of Jesus as King and Lord over all of life because this destroys our self-sufficiency. When we cast self aside through repentance and lowliness before Jesus Christ, we are freed to love and serve him and one another. We are freed from trusting in the perpetual chaos of this life with leaders changing constantly. We are free to be grateful for all he has done and all he does for us to present, to be present with us through our sufferings and our lives. We are thus free to worship him, even if we live in a country or a place that is banned worship. Our freedom is such that unshackles us from the bonds that condemned us to eternal death and hopelessness. In this knowledge, we can worship no matter our external circumstances, no matter what man does to the body. This freedom brings happiness and a desire through gratitude to bring this good news to all that will listen. It's a freedom to fear God and God alone through worship while ceasing to fear sinful humanity. Do we bring his good news of happiness everywhere we go in this life? Does this good news permeate our lives to the point we respond to his love through worship? In this worship of Jesus, do we desire to bring this good news to others, to invite them to serve Christ with us? The second aspect of verse 7 is that our service to Christ Jesus moves us to publish his peace and his salvation to the earth. This gets to the specifics of the good news, giving us greater reason to worship our King. Our worship of God fosters the peace of God by reminders and praise of him that has saved us. We were lost in sin, incapable of anything good and worthy to save ourselves. His love of us to save us has made us made ultimate peace with all of us that serve him, so that now we are counted as his children and no longer slaves in rebellion. We do not serve a dictator, as all rulers of this world are prone. He is our shepherd king that loves us, that has sacrificed himself for us. This sacrifice has been forever sealed with his ascension that we celebrate tonight into heaven, where he now serves as our only advocate and mediator. We have nothing to fear. Our lives have been secured firmly through Christ our King for all eternity. In response to this love, we worship him, and we call others to worship him with us, as we're reminded in the great passage in Philippians chapter 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This salvation from God and a response to worship is deeply personal and deeply corporate. Unfortunately, as mentioned earlier, salvation that means nothing more than using Jesus as a good luck charm is stressed as only a private matter that should not be spread or published our salvation in Christ is manifested through our lives and our response of gathering together for worship and wanting to publish this news of peace and salvation. Worship is not solely private, nor is it solely corporate. 
It is both, as we see throughout Scripture. When one is stressed over the other, the truth of Jesus Christ as supreme king over all is eroded in some manner. We're called, as Isaiah said tonight in verse 8, together we sing for joy. And in verse 9, to break forth together into singing. Gathering to worship is a necessity. Going forth from this gathering of worship to worship in private and in our families throughout our days is necessary. Worship helps us toward a gratitude in the peace of Christ. As we read in the psalm tonight, Oh, sing praises, sing praises unto our God. Oh, sing praises, sing praises unto our King. Without the practice of both private and corporate worship, the praise of our King Jesus is often replaced with counterfeits, either the rule of self or the rule of those governing over us in the civil realm. The further a society steers away from the worship of Christ our King, the closer the society steers towards the worship of its leaders and country. Just look at examples where the church is either pushed out completely or relegated to a mere spoke in the wagon of civic religion. And you see massive crowds gathering to listen to dynamic and charismatic leaders. Such occasions are marked with singing, shouting, chanting, and so forth, all with the intended focal point of praise from the crowd being either the leader, the nation, or both. In submitting to King Jesus and worship, above all else, we submit finally to his peace that surpasses all understanding, an everlasting peace, a peace that is without flaw. All the world and its leaders can offer is temporary and flawed at every point. Worship helps us toward a gratitude and the peace of Christ through our understanding. As we read in the psalm tonight in verse 7, For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. Our worship of God has the intention by God to teach his people his understanding through his holy word. Tyrants have the goal with the crowds they whip up into frenzies for their subjects to worship them and the nation without understanding. Our worship is meant, as Paul states to the Corinthians, to be conducted decently and orderly. Praising God with understanding means all our faculties, from our bodies to the depths of our hearts and minds, being engaged and fed the word and sacrament. This is how God works within his people. In order to fulfill our king's great commission to bring the good news to the world and to publish his peace and his salvation. His worship is where we learn of his ways. All the faith is centered around the worship of Almighty God. All flows from our worship. If teaching and learning of the word is divorced from our worship, it will eventually lack the component of submission to Christ as king. In such, the element of bringing the good news to others will also fall by the wayside. We only speak about and publish what we value as worthy of our worship. Learning and knowledge about scripture without worship means we deliberately choose to not value God and the spread of his good news. The marking of the date of the ascension through worship is the maintaining of our understanding of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for all of us. 
and what he continues to do for us as our eternal king, endlessly as our advocate and mediator. We in the creeds and the worship affirm and confirm our belief in the truth of the ascension by setting apart a special day to hone in on one of the essentials of the Christian faith. We keep these truths alive and kindled within our hearts to better serve Christ, to spread his good news to the nations and peoples so that they may one day bow the knee to him alone and worship to join us. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech the almighty God that since we do believe thine only begotten son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who have ascended into the heavens, so we may also in heart and mind thither ascend and with him continually dwell, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen.